When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The podcast with Dan Bardell. Hello, welcome to 1874, the podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics' Jacob Tanswell as we're going to dissect Everton nil, Aston Villa nil today. This show is in association with NordVPN and you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to 1874.io slash NordVPN. And if you do that, you'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and you'll also get four months for free. It's completely risk-free because Nord offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. So help out the channel help up the channel help out the channel and help yourselves out as well if you're interested in that deal and use our discount code jacob how are you very well thank you yeah got home at a reasonable time uh, last night from emerton and obviously it's a nice fresh monday morning and i'm feeling good good for a journey a two o'clock kickoff on a sunday i'd say they are good but with our deadlines it's on a saturday a quick quick rundown on saturday you've got till 10 o'clock on the sunday morning to file your piece where for the sunday game because they want it out on monday now uh, you've got to, uh, for a, if it's a two o'clock kickoff, you've got a file by six, so oh. it's a bit of a shorter turnaround. So um, yeah, they've not been ideal, but I think more really games that have been two o'clock, the uh, more I'm getting used to it. You enjoy your, you enjoy your Saturday a, a bit more. Though. You're free on your Saturday, are you? Sure? You're free to just sit and watch football. That's, I mean, that's all I did yesterday. In, in fairness, just sat and watched football all day. But yeah, interesting to see how it all works. And you know, talking of, of, of articles and deadlines and stuff, you've got a piece out this morning about Kamara, but your club badge piece last week. I mean, our podcast did well talking about the club badge last week, but it sounds like your article did as well on the Athletic. Yeah, it seemed to cut through with the fans, and it? It, it highlighted what a, a relevant piece it was. I guess that you know, there's unhappiness, you know, across some sections of the of the fan base, and and rightly so. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And, um, you know, I think it w- would have been not me doing my journalistic duties if I didn't r- report it. However, even if there was, you know, criticism or if there, even if it would cause me issue or, you know, the company issues. But no, it's been really well received. And I think um, it was an issue that needed covering. And I'm glad that it was. Yeah, you covered it really, really well. I've got, I've got to say, it was, it was a really, really good read. And Chris Hecker's responded by doing an interview with the Sunday Times instead, of, in, instead of the Athletics. I had a little read of that yesterday. Not sure I'm on the same page as Chris Heck at, at, at the moment with stuff, but we'll move on for that. But yeah, thank you to everyone that that watched and, and listened to our podcast last week. Jacob did a good explainer on there about what's happened as well. And it's, it's an important subject. You know, some people will say, "Stop moaning." You know, you, we're top three in the, in the in the Premier League. There's more important things going on. Just because things are good on the pitch doesn't mean that you know, things that are happening off the pitch should, should be got away with. And I think the way they've approached this badge thing has been absolutely terrible. And I'll con- continue to bang the drum on social media around that. Let's talk about the game then yesterday, Jacob. Might do manage to do five minutes on it, I think. Everton nil, Aston Villa nil. I actually, you know, I actually thought we played quite well. I thought Everton were very, very resolute, you know, very hard to break through. Very physical team. The midfield, just the land of the giants in there. And I thought they defended really well. And every time we did come forward, they put bodies on the line and were and were solid. So I don't think it's a it's a bad point, but I don't think that's the popular opinion on social media. How as a neutral, someone who I mean you do care what Villa do, but you're obviously not a Villa fan. What's your synopsis on whether it's a good point or not? I think it'll be a good point depending on how Villa get on in the next couple, couple of weeks. It's one of those games that I just, I just felt frustrated even towards mm-hmm. the end. I just thought Villa, I've got into this habit recently where they're just riding the, the home crowd up, especially away from home. So I know Emmy Martinez does it well and he's always used to that. But I just feel there's a few times where tempers fell out. It's just unnecessary. It happened at Brentford. They obviously managed to win that game. But there's times where Villa were just, you know, giving away silly fouls or making cheap decisions on the ball where he just gets the crowd up, you know, and it's not the control that Emery wants or even getting involved in these tussles you know, yeah. over, the, over the corner. I'm just thinking, okay, you know, fair enough, he's this anger, but it's just, Villa can't get into a rhythm and it's just like stop, start, you know, plenty of fouls like we saw at Wolves. Um, and it just seems like this is theme now where opposition teams are doing it quite successfully and breaking up Villa's flow. And the only time they really, really, I thought, were coming into the game and had any flow was probably after the first 15 minutes of the first half when I think Leon Bailey went close with when Pickford made the save. Moreno obviously had the goal this loud. And that was the only time there was uninterrupted play and Villa were able to you know, get the ball and pin Everton back. But then Villa would make a silly mistake where, you know, a back pass might, might be over here or, you know, little 
tempt us for Calvert-Lewin when he's pressing and all of a sudden gets the crowd up because did it take long for the Goodison Park crowd to fall flat? So no, it's just, it just felt unnecessary that Villa you know, are, are kind of just riding the crowd up through their own mistakes and that's the frustration for me after yesterday's game. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that the referee was the same referee as the Brentford game. I, I believe the game kind of followed the same pattern. I, I, I know we won that game, but we do seem to get more involved in the in the hustle and bustle than than, than we do under, under under other referees. It seems there was a lot of it was disjointed against Brentford as well. I thought the ref was absolutely atrocious yesterday. I, mean, I just thought he had, he had no control over the game. He felt like he was booking Villa players and giving fouls for absolutely everything, not the other way around with, with Everton. Look, Everton are a physical side. I'm not knocking them at all. I actually quite like the way that they go about business. And, you know, Sean Dyche, to, to his credit, has, has, would have had them 12th in the league had they not had 10 points deducted. So I think he's doing a good job there. And there's a lot I like about Everton. But I do think they crossed the line a couple of times yesterday. I do think there was a 100% of penalty in there. Tarkovsky on, on Moussa Diaby. In the Manchester United game afterwards, Wan-Bissaka got booked for giving for doing a similar thing. In fact, it was it was quite less, I thought, less force than, than, than what happened with Tarkovsky in the penalty area. And it gets given as a free kick in that game and Wan-Bissaka gets booked. I feel like if that happened outside the area... The ref would give a free kick all day, and they'd look at it and look at it as a potential red card. But because it's in the penalty area, it almost felt like they they didn't want to do it. But I've got it honestly. I'm not biased in any way at all. I thought that was a penalty. Did you? Yeah, as soon as I saw, it, I thought penalty straight away. And you know, people around me because it's a very cramped press box. You know, they looked at me and some from the Everton you know, side of things, and yeah. you know, no way. But I just looked at, I just you know, it looks in real time. I thought you know he's caught, he's caught the RB, and that that was a penalty. And the problem is, is the referee set himself the tone early on in the game and he gave himself nowhere to go because that Ollie Watkins yellow card, I, I mm. didn't want to tweet. I was just like, what else is he supposed to do? He's basically been penalised for jumping and winning a header over Tarkovsky. I know Tarkovsky had some blood, but I think that set the tone. If that has a lower threshold for fouls and yellow cards, then he's got nowhere to go You know, in the second half of the game. So I thought that was a penalty. I agree with you, Dan. And yeah, the referee was poor, but I thought the referee last week at Middlesbrough was poor. It's up to up to yeah, Villa. It's up to Villa now to actually just calm it down. You said poise. You said better quality to take the refereeing decisions and these 50-50 battles out of the game. I think it turned too much of a fight ball towards the end. It wasn't you know, the football that Emery would have wanted, and that's why the referee had such a big part to play in it. I still always was sat there thinking, I think there'll be a goal in this and I think it'll be us a little bit like the Middlesbrough game last week. I always fancy us to score because obviously we've got a brilliant record of scoring under Emery. That must only be the fourth time possibly that we haven't scored under Emery in, in the Premier League. But in recent weeks, probably the last five games maybe, one thing that's been lacking from Villa, and we were talking about this before we, before we came up, decision-making, final ball. It's not what it was in the first part of the season, is it? No, it's not. And it's, you know, Villa have tend to have a lot of their possession in the defensive middle third. So when they do get into the final third, it's for a change of gear and they can then really attack with purpose. But to attack with purpose, you've got to be really finesse, really fine-tuned. And in those moments, I don't think Villa... Well, there's one occasion where, obviously, I alluded to the Leon Bailey shot earlier, where there's a few nice passes between, you know, McGinn, Moreno, Douglas Luiz, I think it was, and then it ended up with Leon Bailey getting a shot away. And that was the time where I thought, OK, Villa would, you know, had some real good quality there. It just does seem like you know, misplaced passes. I thought John McGinn was guilty of that early on in the in the game yesterday. Um, Douglas Louise as well is trying to hit these crossfield passes and they're getting intercepted. And then it means Villa out of shape in the field. It's not what you expect from the Villa early on in the season. 
you know, I, I knew Villa, you know, they're getting the tie and stuff like that, but they've had a good time between games. And, you know, this is the quality. This is not talking about the physical exertion. This is the quality of the game. And it just feels like slightly lower than they were. And probably, I guess, Moussa Diaby kind of characterises that, doesn't mm. he? Because early on in the season, he looked like a thoroughbred racehorse, didn't he? Really sharp. Everything was on point. And now he's just toiling a little bit. Yeah, he got dropped, didn't he, for the for the big games against Manchester City and and Arsenal. From what I've heard, he wasn't very happy about that, and he's really not been the same since. Maybe a lack of confidence because we know he's a he's a really high level footballer. Mercer Diaby he was brilliant in the first stages of the season, but when he has played in recent weeks, he he hasn't looked look, looked himself. The bit that surprised me was that he took Diaby and Bailey off at the same time. It kind of took out the pace. From Villa's team, I thought the game was crying out for Tillemans. In, fa- in fairness, I thought maybe he'd be the one to unlock something and make a clever pass. But were you surprised that Unai Emery took off two players with, with real pace out of Villa's team? I think so. If you look at the passing networks from the last couple of games, Diaby and Watkins are barely getting the ball. Like, you know, what Diaby's, yeah. how many times do you see Diaby get receiving a half turn and drive out the centre back? You know, if you look at the reverse victory at Everton against Everton at home, I think three or four times in the first half he would get the ball and drive at Tarkovsky. Where you know this game, he barely got the ball, but I, I can kind of see why Emery took both of them off because it was quite clear that right, we're not going to play through Everton now, or we haven't got the quality. We're going to get the ball out wide through Matty Cash and Moreno. We're going to have two up top in in John Duran and Watkins, and it almost paid off. John Duran, yeah, came very close, came close a few times, didn't he? So in, if you're playing that way where you're trying to get the ball out wide and cross it, then you probably don't need the RB and Bailey as much um, because you know they, they're probably players that aren't as good physically in the air or, you know, as good crosses from, from both sides. So, yeah, I can see why they've done it, but DRB needs to, you know, hopefully can use this break now to come back and really come back and get back into his rhythm. Were you surprised by the team selection as well? Because Cash obviously scored last week, didn't start. He really seems to want to play a concert at right back at the moment. Again, we were talking before we came on and I said that Potentially, the reason he he did that this week was because he didn't want Kamara to be coming back and building up in the back three because of how robust Everton's midfield is. He didn't want to pull him out of that that midfield battle, which which is probably fair. But do you think if it had been a different team, do you think Cash maybe would have played and we would have built up with Kamara in the back three? I think so. Emery, I alluded to how tall Everton were also before the game. So I think that you know having another centre back would have helped with the aerial uh, duels. You know, winning the long balls, second balls, corners and stuff. I was quite surprised that Cash didn't play anywhere. I thought he might have played instead of Diaby. You know, um, moving Bailey up top with Watkins and then um, Cash uh, on the right wing, kind of right back mm. uh, way. Because you know, when Cash doesn't play. Um, you know, can say what you want about Cash's qualities and whether he's, you know, he's good enough to be at the high end of the Premier League. He does offer width, and when you know there was a period where Bailey and Diaby came off, and Villa had no width on that right side. I think Conza wasn't sure whether to overlap again. Um, so I'm surprised Cash didn't play. I think Cash just gives you a bit more balance from both sides um, rather than just all purposely attacking down Moreno's side, which it wasn't the first half. Uh, but I'm not surprised he went with three centre backs, although. A part of me just thinks every concert is so good at centre back. Just one of the best players, you know, best centre backs in, in the Premier League this season. I think he's kind of wasted at you know receiving a ball and doing all his defending on the touchline.
Because when we're moving Conte to right back at the moment, if, you, if most Villa fans were to pick our best team, I think it would probably be Conte and Pau Torres at centre-back. We don't have either of them there at the moment. I never think the high line works as well. When Conte's at, at right back, he doesn't seem as... I'm not digging him at all, but he doesn't seem as sure about the the movements and the timing of things when he when he's at right back. There was a moment in the in the first half when he was looking along the line, looking out, looking over his shoulder, and I, I felt like he was struggling to work out what he was what he was supposed to be doing. Paul Torres has been a, a huge, huge miss, but then when you take Conte out from there as well, those two are the best at building it from 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 the back as well. I think Carlos has got a good ping on him, but I don't think him and Longlayer is good at building up from the back as the other two are. So maybe that's a factor as to why we haven't looked so so fluid. Passing hasn't hasn't been there for me either. We were so sharp against Manchester City. I remember pinging the ball around, like moving the ball around quickly. Every pass was spot on. That Arsenal goal, you know, no one had to break stride in that in that goal to score it. And since then, I just I just don't think our passing has been the same. No, no, I think you're right then. But a few occasions where Diego Carlos uh, does progress the ball, you know, did it into McGinn yesterday. I don't think that next phase is the same either in terms of yeah, getting, on, getting on the half term and playing. You know, I think Longley he, he carries the ball quite well, but I never see him. Yeah, really there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with him, is there? But he's just not Balzaris. No, exactly. And the issue with Conza as well on that right back is he sometimes overcompensates by tucking too close into Carlos because he's just naturally a centre back. And also, when the ball does go over Longley or Carlos. Conta's too far away to make one of those brilliant recovery runs to, yeah. to, to, to make the slide tackle or not the attacker off balance when he's thrown goal. So it just feels like, okay, I can see why Conta's there, but I thought it'd be more of a temporary measure like every you know, every 10 games you might play there. But the fact he's playing it so regularly, just you just kind of think, ah, do, can Villa just sort out this issue a different way? Yeah, and you know the high line did get breached. At one point, but luckily for us, Emi Martinez was there. A good double save, really. In the end, that, that's what he's there for, isn't he? Every game, he'll do something like that, Emi Martinez. That one-on-one save to kind of stand up so so long and still manage to get down with his foot and make, make the save. He's just world-class goalkeeping. And I still watch so many other teams that are supposed to be bigger clubs than Villa and look at their goalkeeping situation and I just laugh. Because I think, how have, we got, how have we got the best goalkeeper in the world and all these other teams are scrambling around for a goalkeeper? He's just absolutely brilliant. John McGinn was talking after the game yesterday and he said he was directly behind Calvert-Lewin when he went through a goal. And he thought to himself, why has Emmy left so much space on to his right? And it, as it turned out, it's because Emmy was basically baiting Calvert-Lewin to, take, to do that finish, to go in that corner. And at the last minute, Emmy backed himself to... You know, get across and save it. And you know, you see a lot of goalkeepers; they go into ground easily. Onana's done it loads of times this season. But Martinez stands strong; he stays up. And what's funny or quite relevant is: do you remember the Carabao Cup game against Everton, where Carabao Lewin scored that goal? You know, one on one. I think it was Robin Olsen' goal, wasn't it at the time? Yeah, it was Olsen. And you see the difference there. You think Olsen goes to ground; he go earlier. Where Martinez just waits a split second, stays big, and he saves a goal. I think he had an xG of zero point seven, and Carabao Lewin. You know he hasn't scored for twelve games now, so it felt like this was a big, more of a big moment for him than it was for Martinez. And you saw the confidence of who was willing to just buy their time a little bit, wait for the other one to make the first move. And yeah, Martinez's save was fantastic. And then to get back up and a few seconds later to get down to Garner's shot. Um, you know, I don't think his agility gets enough credit. I know he's a big commanding goalkeeper, but he's very nimble and he's very. I think he's just a brilliant keeper and he's such a safe pair of hands. To me, he's the best goalkeeper in the league. I know Alisson is right up there, Edison probably too as well. They're, they're probably better with, with their feet. 
Martinez is very, very good with his feet, but as an all-round goalkeeper, I just think he's better than those two. I genuinely wouldn't swap him for any goalkeeper in, in the world. And that's such a fantastic place to, to be in. He's so, so good. You know, the clean sheet is obviously obviously good news. I think we've kept too many clean sheets in race in recent weeks. And we now kept two two in a row. But hopefully that will bring us back some solidarity because Villa last season were built on yeah. clean sheets. And it's not been something that we've been as brilliant at this season. Although I do think there's caveats in that Torres had to come in a little bit earlier than Villa would have wanted him to when, when Mings got injured. Now Torres is is, is injured. Conta's been playing right back. You know, there's been a lot going on in that in that back line, whereas last season it was pretty consistent towards the end with the personnel that, that were playing there. So a couple of clean sheets for Emi will, will do him good. But I thought the first goal yesterday would be absolutely pivotal. I thought whoever scored the first goal would go on and, and, and win the game. But unfortunately, just that, well, not unfortunately for Villa, that first goal just he just didn't come, did it, people? Oh, I'm sat I'm sat here thinking I thought we played pretty well. I don't think it was a bad display by any stretch of the imagination. But then I can also see the point of view that we didn't really create too much, and that's that's probably what's missing at the moment. And we looked at the bench, and we're back to two goalkeepers on the bench, eight subs. There wasn't much to to change. It really was that we've been hurt a little bit by injuries at the moment. But then so are many teams. Yeah, and also the players that are on the bench, you know. Zaniolo's on loan. He's not been playing much. You know, John Duran, we, we talked about him last week, and Yuri Tillemans is half fit. So it's not like these guys are, are ready. They're ready to go. They, you can bring them straight in. Um, you know, and obviously you've got Den Dunker as well. Um, so there's, there's issues there. But Villa just, I think, what a team that just needs that second boost, really. They need to get their second wind almost. They're kind of flagging in games, looking a little bit short of ideas. But at the same time, like we said, you asked me earlier whether it's a good point. In these type of games where they do look quite short of ideas, it's important they you know hmm. that they win these games. You know, even when Kamara was suspended, for example, and Villa missed him hugely, they only lost one game. They you know, got a point you know against Sheffield United, but they then managed to eke it out against Burnley. So they're still getting jobs done. They're still being quite efficient, but they need to get that second win if they're going to stay in the Champions League spaces. I've been quite surprised that Zaniolo, he scored that goal against Sheffield United. It seems that since then, he's actually getting less minutes than he was previously after after that goal, as I thought that goal would have done him the, the world of good. I wouldn't have minded seeing him playing off playing off Watkins. I think you, you said it before we came on as well. Like when he's playing wide, he's almost too wide. He kind of strikes me as a player that you want in, in central areas. I know the wide player usually comes in to, to make the box, but I just like to see him in that in that second striker role at some point, especially when it's not really happening for, yeah. for Diaby. You know, when we've got so many players out, if he isn't going to get a game now, he's probably never going to get get a game. Whereas at the start, when he was, I didn't feel he was fully fit. Felt like he played five, six games in a row, but mm. he doesn't seem to be able to get near it at the moment. Do you think there's a reason for that? That's the issue. I think if Emery's going to go with a second striker that's not DR, but he's looking at John McGinn really and and Bailey obviously making those runs inside it. Um, and he, that's why Zaniolo's behind it. But another reason, which is important to know, is Matty Cash isn't playing either. So Zaniolo's having to stay wider because Conza's not going to overlap. Um, and it means even if Zaniolo does play on that right, he's not going to be able to drift in and have someone you know on, on his right shoulder overlapping him. Um, so Cash is you know, not, not playing as in turn men. Zaniolo's not playing on that right wing either. Uh, yeah, but it is strange, really. You know, Zaniolo scored as well, didn't he, in the Conference League? Uh, I thought, um, yeah. You know, he, so he's getting a few more goals now, um, but it just feels like it's not quite happening for him. And when I see that him on the, that right wing, and it's an instant uh, yesterday, or yesterday, he got the ball on the right wing, I just thought, 
you know, he's not really a right wing. He's not the guy that's going to beat someone at the byline and cross it. He's got to be in those in the central areas where he can you utilize his long shooting or threading passes through. And right now, there's no space for him there because Emery either likes Diaby there or failing that, he likes McGinn there. I think when Tillemans is back, I think he's probably got that second striker yeah. role sewn up at, at the moment, hasn't he? He was, he was doing well before he before he got injured. It felt like he was getting some rhythm and really showing what a good what a good footballer is. I think when everyone's well, I say when everyone's fit, we're not going to say Buende and means probably this season. But you know, when we do start to get players back, I think I'd be picking Tillemans in that second striker role at the moment on on form. It depends how how quickly M, uh, Tillemans gets back because there's a fear at Leicester that he would take a long time and a lot of runner games that even get to his you know physical peak. And you've you've probably seen it earlier in the season. The, the difference between Tillemans at the start towards Tillemans at the end before he got his injury was huge in terms of just his physicality, his sharpness as well. So you know it depends on how he comes back. But there is that second striker that next to Watkins that is up for grabs and. If you had to ask me, I'd probably go for Leon Bailey right now. I think he can offer similar to Diaby, but and he's in better form. Uh, and then you could put Cash um, on that right wing to make sure Villa keep their balance. But you know, Zaniolo, you know, he's coming towards the end or in the last few months of his of his loan deal. Um, and you know, there's a decision to be made. Yeah, it's. I said that I didn't think we should do anything in in January. I'm starting to slightly <laughs> go against. I still don't think that we will. Unless we were to shift someone, but I don't think that we'll be we'll be shifting anyone. Chambers on the bench yesterday. I've got a feeling. No, Chambers was on the bench. Is there a reason for that? Because we obviously eight subs, two goals. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a piece of that actually. Is um yeah, he's basically been told he's he can go. So I think they're trying okay. to, they're engineering a move on on him leaving now. But maybe you know if he's to go, that might free up a, a space to yeah to, to bring a player in a squad registration place, which you know Chambers hasn't done anything this season. Let's let, let's be frank, he's he's not part of the plans. He had a really bad game in Europe. It's almost like that scared Emery into putting him in because even when we made wholesale changes, Chambers has not been anywhere near it. He's still been on the bench. So if he's going to go, maybe that frees up to bring in a right back. But I'm just thinking at the moment, you know, if Saniolo is not involved, not com- not coming on, do we need a another another kind of a, a attacking option? But I know that that's going to be a difficult one to want to get in. I don't. Know, what, do, what do you think? I wouldn't mind just seeing the academy lad come on. I know yeah, Emery's... Well, no, I'm the academy lad's getting on the bench. Uh, that's, a, that's a strange thing for me. You know, you, you put two goalkeepers on the bench, uh, uh, you've done it in a, in a few weeks ago, and yeah, you've got these guys in the, on, you know, in the under-21s, you know, Tommy O'Reilly. I know Amari Kellerman's injured. I just think one of them on the bench. I know that's not Emery's style. He, he likes everything to be methodical and he likes players to train with the first team a long time. I know it's principles and things like that. But I just think in sometimes when everything's a little bit flat, you just need that bit of unpredictability and a bit of you know, energy of youth, I guess. And just having someone like that would be, you know, really good. And who knows, if Amari Kellyman didn't get injured, maybe he would have played. But, yeah. you know, even Tim as well, you, you know, he, I thought it was a really good opportunity for him to start last week at Middlesbrough. Um, and, you know, Emery really likes him. He, I asked him about Kamara's uh, absence last week and he said, Tim can do exactly what Kamara can do. Uh, we just need to keep, I really believe in him. I just thought, okay, let's now see that on the pitch. But, you know, it's up to, it's Emery's obviously option and choice. But, it would be nice to see an academy lad on the bench sometimes. I can't remember if it was you that told me this, but I've heard from somewhere, someone has told me, may have been you, may not have been you, that a rogue is not going to be going out alone, that he's going, to, he's, he's going to be kept and they, they want him in the first team. So it's surprising that, because no disrespect to Den Donker, who I really, really like, and he's been a good squad player for Villa since, since he arrived at the club. A rogue more mobile, isn't he? So you mm. would think that he would be a better fit for what Emery's mm. trying to do than Den Donker? 
Yeah, and also he's better on the ball. He's more progressive on the ball, and that's what he uh, Emery wants. But in, to caveat that, it's he was injured in pre-season. I think that was a key time for Emery to really embed his principles. Um, and you know, I think I do. I do feel if he was fully fit from the outset, then he would have played a lot more. Um, and also, you got to think about Dendonka. If a good option or a good offer comes in for him right now, oh, he goes. Um, yeah, he goes. So you know, the long in terms of long-term vision, Tim's got more of an option you know, than Leander, but it's just you know, really trusting him in these games. And that's why um, I was hoping he could play against Middlesbrough and maybe he can get some minutes at Stamford Bridge in a few weeks' time. There's a young lad as well that I know has been training with the first team for for a fair while, a few a few times a week, an, an attacking player, Ben Broggio. I know he's been training with the with, with the first team, so I was expecting to see him on the bench at, at, at some point as well, because I believe he's, he's trained with the first team a, a high number of times and that Villa are, are really keen on him and think he's going to be a really, really good player. But I mean... I, I, I don't know whether the under-21s, under-18s, whatever, have had a game this weekend and that they maybe think it's better for them to be involved playing in that game and playing 90 minutes than it is for them to sit on the bench for 90. But you would think there's a space for someone in an attacking sense from the academy. And you're right, I think he probably would have been Kellyman. But if, if Braggio has been, been training with the first team like I, like I believe he has, then harm in really having him on the bench, even if he has played the day before or something and just get him along. But for the experience, have you have you heard the same about him training training with the first team and, and seeing him in the twenty one? Yeah, there's a few of us that have been trained with the first team. They do these eleven v eleven practices, and it will involve mix of of twenty one and first team as well. And there's a few players that have been playing alongside you know a, a young and twenty one players been playing alongside Douglas Luiz or Bubaka Kamara, and they've equipped themselves quite well. Um, so I'm surprised, and you know you see these young academy lads sometimes it's okay for them to be on the bench for one week and not play for the under-21s because it's just a general experience. And, yeah. you know, if they can easily play the day after. Getting 10 minutes with the first team. So I don't really see, you know, the, the, the broader issues, but it's fundamentally comes down to Emery and being fully convinced of these players before um, even selecting them in the squad. In fairness, look, Unai Emery knows better than me. I'm not here to, to argue with Unai Emery. I absolutely love the man. I want him to be at Villa for, forever and he's absolutely transformed the club. But it's worth talking about these things and just just speculating and, and seeing what we can come up with and seeing if there, there is that option there because Villa haven't had an academy player come through properly for, for a long, long... Well, Jacob Ramsey. But even before that, he was Grealish. Before that, he was Gabby. And really, to say that Andre Green fleetingly made it, I, I would say, but really, Villa haven't had a lot of academy players come through and, and get into the first team over the last 10, 15 years. And it, it's something for me I would be be, be desperate to see. I'd, I'd, I'd really like to see it. Maybe Archer or Ramsey would have, would have done, or Philogene, but they've, they, they've been sold off, although Philogene's doing really well at, at Hull. It, it's, it's worth saying. You know, I'd have liked, kind of liked us to have kept him for the sake of five million, but I understand what, why we've done it. But is it... January-wise, is it still the same kind of word on the street that not much is going to happen? The Chambers stuff's interesting, obviously, because that maybe would give them a chance to change something. Yeah, I think you need to get Callum Chambers and Bertrand Trory out first, um, and then you uh, you can even consider if you if Villa wish to to, uh, to sign anybody. Uh, Bertrand Trory is the interesting one because he's always in same every year. He's injured for Villa, but as soon as Burkina Faso gives him a call up, he's fully fit. He's captain. He's ready to go, um, and I think that's caused a few irritations in, within Villa. Um, so he, he obviously his contract runs at the end of the season. Be good for him to get off the wage bill now, but. He's over in obviously in the Afcon, so get him no en- engineering a move. He's probably just going to sit on it, isn't he? Frustratingly for Emery, and in terms of allowing there to be a room in the squad to possibly bring someone in. 
In fantasy, he did score two very important goals last season when I thought he was finished at Villa. So I'm not going to knock him too much because we wouldn't have qualified <laughs> for Europe with, without him. But it is frustrating because every time he gets an international call-up, he's available. And then he comes back and he's injured again. It's the same pattern for like three, four years now with, with Bertrand Troyer. Right? It's absolutely bizarre, but he's obviously gone off to AFCON. That's what he wants to do. He wants to represent his country, but there's absolutely no chance he'll be getting a new contract and, and staying at Villa. He'll be he'll be off the wage bill. I'd imagine he's on relatively high wages, Bertrand Troyer. So it would be good, good to free them up and then get a number nine shirt to someone. I haven't a good number nine but for a long time either. You know, I know Ings, Ings was a decent number nine in, in fairness, but it looks like he's going to be on the move again in January, not getting any football at, at West Ham. But we haven't had a good number nine for a while. Either I'd like to say, give that number nine shirt to someone deserving, because it feels like that's been a, a poor run of number nines as well. John Duran wants to be loved. Could you say to him in the season, John, come on, mate, you know, stop changing a bio on Instagram. I'll give you the number nine shirt and you can be, uh, you know, feel a bit more loved. But um, yeah, I, I don't think squad numbers nowadays really mean too much, but no. it would be nice, it, you know, just from a marketing perspective, if Chris Hex is interested in that, they'll have oh, a proper no, number nine. Number nine heck, we'll probably get, we'll, we'll probably give himself the, the, the <laughs> number nine shirt. At the moment, yeah. Oh. What's what, what we're talking about, Duran, we, we obviously spoke about it quite, quite a lot last week, but it's quietened down. He does feel like the opposite of Zaniola. I feel like he is getting more minutes now, Duran, and we're coming on and we're playing two up top and whatnot. Yeah, Emery at the start of the season was like, it would be very rare to see Watkins and Duran all play two up top. And in the last three or four games, maybe even further, he's actually played both of them because he sees it's quite a conducive mm. route. And actually, they do, because John Duran's so impressive, he's got like this basketball type you know, physique. Um, he's actually causing a few issues inside the box now, even if he's not the most finished, finesse. He just gets around, doesn't he? He just causes some trouble. Um, you saw that for the, winning the penalty and, you know, in, in other games, well, you know, Bournemouth away stretching that far back. Um, so, so, you know, I think he's doing well, John Duran, but there's always that, I think he needs to really focus. There's a lot of noise around him, around his camp, and, and that's where all these stories do come into the press and stuff like that. Um, uh, but he just needs to settle and he's getting a lot of game time. His development's going well, but he's on the right path. Uh, and, you know, maybe giving him the number nine shirt at the end of the season, um, really believing in him. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's got a big future if he just stays level-headed. Yeah, and needs to stay focused, doesn't it? I think we've probably done all we all we can do. It wasn't the most exciting game to come on and do a podcast <laughs> on the Monday and, and, and talk about it. I know you've got to go as well. So I was late this morning, full, full disclosure. We started later than we, than we should have done. My apologies. But yeah, Jacob's off to, off to the bright lights of London. So got the hiccups. Thank you very much for, uh, for, for for joining me today. Always appreciate it. And, you know, last week's pod did, did so, so well. So it's brilliant to have you on again. And yeah, any articles you want, you want to talk about? You've done your Kamara one that came out just before we came on and, and did this pod. Anything else coming this week? Um, obviously we had the FFP piece last week. That was, that was good. That was, that was explained really well as well. That was a long way to then. There's a few, I'm going to London today to uh, speak to some of every concert's old teachers and uh, colleagues at Charlton. So that should be fun. That should be out in a, in a few weeks. And I interviewed Jaden Philogene as well. Um, oh, yeah. I went, went to Hull's training grounds a few weeks ago, pre, pre, uh, pre-injury, uh, but that will be out in the next couple of weeks. He's a, yeah, he's a very interesting character and it's good to sit down with him. Interesting, right? Look forward to, the, to that read. Now I'm going to go straight now and read your Kamara piece, Jacob. So again, thank you for, for joining me. Thanks to everyone that's tuning in as well. We really appreciate all the listeners and, and viewers. You know, the, the numbers are growing. You know, it's, it's brilliant to see and yeah, fantastic. And thanks for all the support you give me on all of my individual stuff as well. That's that's always appreciated. And I wouldn't be doing this stuff if it wasn't for people supporting this channel. So thank you very much for all the support over the years. 
what's going on in bright now isn't it i don't think there'll be there'll be much content we'll maybe knock out a podcast next week on monday but obviously there'll be no match preview and whatnot because there is no game this weekend because the players are probably all on holiday in dubai i'm going to <laughs> imagine so yeah thanks ever so much for watching and listening and as always up the villa sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.